0: If you will, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to be taking up at verse 22 this evening. Now, I want to just take a second and bring us back to what we we started with in this. Do you guys remember, like, the main premise when I was talking about this book? Do you guys remember, like, kind of the application I was making how, you know, Peter, he's going to take us into this whole section of Scripture where it's like, hey, you know what? Uh, you need to do this. You need to submit to governments. You need to do this. and You need to do that. And it's going to be like this. This kind of like these exhortations towards the believers. But before he does that, what did he do? He trained our eyes on the son of God and he, he made us look you know, square in the face in the glory and the brightness of his grace and mercy. And what did that do? It, it, it burned into our consciousness the, just the glory and peace and grace of God. So then when we look at the things that Peter's now going to begin to exhort us to do in our walks, it's like, well, so what? And I kind of compared it to if you guys have ever been out on like a bright, sunny day, you're out like washing a car or something. If you have a white car, it's even worse. And you're sitting there scrubbing that, and you're squinting the whole time. And it's just like really bright. And then you walk into your dark house, which actually isn't dark at all, but it seems dark when you walk in there. And it's like, you, you can't see anything, right? Because your eyes have been so accustomed to that bright light that the things in here are just like, you know, the, the, the kids mess on the floor, the dusty lamp, whatever. It doesn't, you, you can't even see it. And Peter is kind of doing that. See what he has done. He has lifted our eyes to the Lord Jesus Christ. He has lifted our eyes to the glory of the inheritance that is waiting for us. He has lifted our eyes to the abundant mercy of God the Father, the blessings of Jesus Christ. He has lifted our eyes. And so now as he begins to make application, as he begins to make exhortation, it's like these things seem like, well, so what? So what? You know, who who cares? Um, that That song you know the the wonderful cross I mean that that is like you know if, if all of nature was mine, you know it, it wouldn 't be enough of an offering for the Lord because you know he is worthy of so much more, and yeah I, I was just uh, I, I love this song the the how deep the fathers love for us uh, it 's a great song the the lyrics in it are just amazing and You you sit there and you just look. It's like, why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. And... You know, it's like, that's the God that, that we believe in. Yeah, I have seen my God do incredible things. I, I have seen my God take hands that were, were just plagued with sin, that, that couldn't do anything. And I've seen him give music back to them and allow them to, to do the things that you know reach, have their former glory that they used to. I, I've seen my God redeem the, the blackened soul. I've seen my God do amazing things. This is the God that we're talking about. This is the glory. This is the beauty of who he is. And today we're going to be looking at a few assumptions. See, Peter, he's casted our eyes onto the glory of God. And then he's made a couple exhortations to us now. He's made a couple conclusions to us. But this evening he's actually going to be making a couple of assumptions. And within those assumptions he's also going to be giving us a couple exhortations as well. Uh, tonight's message is actually entitled, The Three Great um, Assumptions of the Christian Faith. And uh, as I was reading uh, this paragraph, it's actually from chapter 1, verse 22, and it continues on through chapter 2, verse 3. Remember, the chapter breaks are not inspired. They're, they were done by monks a long time ago, but they weren't done by Jesus Christ so, or, or the Apostle Peter. So sometimes they got it right and sometimes they didn't. This one they they kind of broke up the paragraph instead of uh, continuing the whole train of thought. But there is definitely a sense within this text that that Peter is making a couple of assumptions about who we are, because you know many of us if not all of us in this room say, Hey, you know what? I have named the name of Jesus Christ. I I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. He died for me. He has paid my ransom and by his stripes, I have been made whole. I have been healed, right? A lot of us make that, but, Peter is going to kind of address that. He's going to be addressing who we are, but he's going to make a few assumptions. When he when he talks about a Christian, he, he doesn't just he, it's not just like some you know vague random term that, that he's using. When when he claim, when he talks to Christians, when he talks to believers, there there's some definite um, ideas of what that means. You know, when, when you look at language and communication, you know, when I say hello, you know what that means because we have both agreed on what that word means, right? When Peter looks at a Christian, he has certain things in mind. And and they're things that we must both agree on. These things aren't things that we can debate about. These things aren't things that we can say, oh, well, you know, that that applies to you guys. That's your truth. But that's not how I interpret Scripture. No, no, no. That cannot be done. These are assumptions that are for all believers. This is something that isn't just like, oh, well, you know, in this church they say this, but in this church they say that. No, 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 no. This is something that the Apostle Peter is assuming of all believers. And so we're going to be jumping in that uh, this evening. Verse 22, chapter 1. Hope you're there. Let's read. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again not of corruptible seed but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever, Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass, the grass withers and its flower fails away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you, therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. Lord, for your love and your care of us. Lord, we thank you that, that you were willing to lay down your life for us. Lord, we were even more grateful, Lord, that while we were yet sinners, Lord, you died for us. And while we were cursing your name, Lord, Lord, as, as the, the shouts, the scoffing came out of our mouths, Lord, as you were being crucified, Lord, yet you still prayed for us. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Lord, I am greatly ashamed that in my past, Lord, I scoffed at the cross. I mocked your disciples. I mocked the church, your bride. And yet, Lord, you drew me with cords of kindness to yourself. And you have forgiven me, Lord, washed me in your own blood that I might be forgiven. So, Lord, we rejoice with you this morning this evening hello we just pray that you would bless this gathering lord give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying for we are here we are here lord please speak we need you to speak lord for we pray and we come in faith in jesus name amen all right so when i was reading that th- did you guys catch the three great assumptions no? Okay, well, uh, I, I'm going to kind of give you a, like a quick uh, idea of where those three assumptions are, and then we're going to go back and we're gonna go, go into detail on them. Okay, so verse 22, what does it begin with? What's the first word of it? Since. Since. That's an assumption, right? Since. It's something that has already taken place. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, right? So the first part is the purification of your souls through obedience to the Word, right? So great assumption number one obedience to the word of God okay you guys got that okay uh, verse 23 second great assumption of the Christian faith having been born again okay now a lot of people will say oh you know what i I, I yeah, I'm a Christian but I'm not one of those born again Christians you know I, I I you know I'm not radical like that I'm not you know I'm not ooh you know they just have like a weird like they, they like ooh, I don't know, they just seem kind of weird. No, 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 listen to me. The the, the next great assumption, right? This is something that we must all know. This is something that we must all agree on. All Christians, all Christians are born again Christians. There are no such things as non-born again Christians, right? That is, that's how you define what a Christian is. Somebody who is born again, born of the spirit, not just born of the flesh, okay? That's assumption number two. Uh, finally, assumption number three in chapter two, verse one, it says, therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Okay. Here's assumption number three. We have laid down the old life. We have laid down the old nature. We do not continue to walk in it. We do not continue to justify it. We do not continue to allow ourselves to parade in it. You know, it's like, it's something that has been terminated in us. It's something that has been put down and shunned. Okay, that is the third great assumption. Okay, you guys got it? You following me? All right, so let's go back up to verse 22 and let's break these all down. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. So guys, the, the very first thing, as a Christian, that is, it is true for all believers, is that we have purified our souls. Right? How How, what's the way that a, a, a sinful person could be made pure what what's the way that a sinful man can be consecrated unto god what what's the means of that grace Baptism. i heard baptism okay that, that that's one thought it, it's the blood of christ it's the sacrifice baptism represents. It's a symbol of what Christ did on the cross for us, right? Even as Christ was literally, he, he died on a cross. He was buried in the, in the heart of the earth, in the, in the tomb for three days. And then he rose again. Do you see the symbol of baptism? He was laid down. That's us going under the water. He was brought forth. That's us coming out of the water. And the, the new life that he had um, as the Father raised him from the dead, as he, he said, I lay down my life and I take it back up again, as he and the Holy Spirit raised himself back up again, we are also promised that new life. That is the symbol of baptism. But see, guys, when we trusted in God, when we look to the cross, oh, that wonderful cross that we just sang about, Right, when we look to that, that was the action. That was the moment that the purification of our souls, when we believed in that, when we put our faith in that, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on our behalf, that was the day, that was the moment that we were purified, that our souls were purified. Now, w- when you look at that word, it actually means the, your breath. It, it is to like sanctify breath. Now, let, let me just get this straight. What, what Peter is talking about is he's not saying you need a Mentos. Right. He's he's not saying that you need an Altoid. He's not talking. It's not that kind of breath. It is the breath that God has breathed into us. It is the life that God has given. It is the soul. Okay, that is what is being addressed here. It is the purification of that part of us that is divine. It is that part of us that is of God, the breath of God, breathing life into us. Right. That is the thing. Well, How did you find out about this? How how was it that you gave your heart to the Lord? How was it that you put your faith in him? It was through obedience to his word, right? I I mean, think about it. How how was it? None of us were there. None of us walked with Jesus. None of us all hold that thing. It was all through his word, right? We have read this word. We have testified that it is true. And so through faith in this, through believing that this is the inspired word of God, that it is a, a, a... a right account of history and also the supernatural of what Christ did on our behalf. See, we have believed these things and in that we have been purified. We have trusted God. We have we have looked to the cross and we have believed. Right? But it was all through the word of God. So see we have done that. Now obviously this book anybody ever read this book and not understand it at all be completely confused by it especially before you gave your heart to the Lord. You're just like, ah, you know, the the first time I read this book, uh, I began reading and I read only the red words. It's like, Hey, I'm just going to find out what Jesus has to say. And then when Jesus came to the part where he said that unless a man, you know, you know, hate his mother, father and all that, you know, he's not worthy to be my disciple. I literally took the Bible. I got angry at it and I threw it. And I came to Heidi and I put my finger in her face and I said, what if you don't agree with what Jesus said? And she was very wise. and She didn't say anything. She was just like hold her tongue and just kept praying for me, right? She just kept praying for me. See, because this book is a spiritual book. It is spiritually discerned, and oftentimes, you know, it, it, when we approach this book in the flesh, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't say anything. It's just words on a page. It's just stories. It's, you know, maybe it's mythology. Maybe it's history. I have no idea. Kind of makes me sleepy, right? When we approach this book in the flesh, that's all it is—a book. Okay, maybe you like the book, maybe you don't like the book, but that's all it is. But when you come, when you have been drawn by the Holy Spirit and he brings you to this book and he begins to take the words of this book and they begin to come off the page and they begin to envelop you and they begin to touch your life and they begin to touch your heart, it's completely different, isn't it? You guys have had that experience, huh? When you read the word, it's like God is speaking to you personally. It's like God is showing you exactly what is going on in your life. He's he's touching you exactly where you are. He's speaking to your condition. He's speaking to what you're facing right now in your life because it is a spiritual book and it is through the Holy Spirit that, that we have discerned these things. It is through the Holy Spirit that we have understood his word and it is through his word that we have put our faith in Jesus Christ and it is through Jesus Christ that we have purified our souls. You guys following me, right? There it is. And then not only that, but he says insincere uh, love of the, of the brethren. So he says, since you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the spirit, insincere love of the brethren. Now that word sincere love of the brethren, it's the word phileo. You guys have heard me talk about it before. If you've listened to K wave, you've heard pastors talk about phileo. It's brotherly love. And, and it's literally saying, Hey, you know what? This is an assumption This is an assumption that you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have come to that through the word of God, and you have been guided into that through the Holy Spirit of God. And in that, you have come into this sincere love of the brethren, of your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now, how many of you have a brother or sister in the Lord that you can't stand? (laughs) Okay. Now, listen, it's assumed... It's assumed when you gave your heart to the Lord that you have come in a sincere love of the brethren. So how many people have a hatred of one of your brothers in the Lord? Good answer. Good answer. It's not my word. It's his. Okay. so there's an assumption that when we become brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, we are a loving family. Okay, a loving family ever, you know, now if you come to our house, it's not always loving. You see, uh, you know, Sarah and Livy and Chloe before Trinity, and and, and and you would hear some like fights going on. Give me my toy back! <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of my absolute favorite stories of Trinity and Sarah was, th- this is a great one. Th- it fits right into this, trust me. They were literally, they were playing tag. Sarah's on foot. Trinity's in rollerblades. They're in our backyard, and and they're playing tag. And now there is it, it has always been and it always will be safety. It's this lamp post sitting next to a metal bench in our backyard, and so that's always been safety. And so Sarah, ha, you know, she has tagged Trinity. She's running away. Trinity's catching up to her because she's on the rollerblades and all that. Sarah jumps up onto the bench, holds onto the to the lamp, and says, "I am safe. I am safe." And Trinity just cal- calm as a cucumber just skates right up and says, "It's not safe," and touches her and skates away. Now. Trini had a way of doing that, if you didn't know. She had a, a way of like manipulating every game t- to go into her favor, right? That's what we called her mastermind, okay? But, so she touches it, she runs away. Now, you guys all know Sarah, right? Sweet, nice, caring, loving, always thoughtful Sarah Jane. That's how you know Sarah, right? I'm going to shatter that right now. So Sarah begins to scream, now I'm in the kitchen, And I'm drinking a a glass of water, watching all of this take place. So I'm sitting there, and I'm just looking through the window, and I'm watching. I see Trinity cheat and, and start going away. And then all of a sudden, I see that sweet, dear face of Sarah Jane morph into this rage monster, right? She turns into the Hulk. instantaneously right the veins start coming up her neck and across her forehead and she starts screaming in this blood-curdling terrifying scream it's safe it's safe and she literally jumps off of the chair and she starts running trinity down so trinity's rollerblading right going like this sarah jane comes running after her with this look of death in her eyes and i'm just like i'm this is the best reality tv that you've ever seen i'm just like Oh, and she comes running, running. She jumps in the—I'm not even joking. She jumps in the air. She horse collars Trinity. That means a headlock from behind, right? Horse collars are like this: gets her in a headlock, throws her to the ground, and then she smiles and goes and walks away. Okay, that is not what this is talking about. See, that's how we are with our brothers and sisters in the Lord, right? But it is assumed a Christian is someone who loves his brother. A Christian is someone who loves their sister. So guys, you can't afford to hold a grudge. Did you know that? You cannot afford to hold a grudge. God says multiple times, and I'm talking the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, said many times, if you do not forgive, you are not forgiven. What does that mean in the Greek? It means if you do not forgive your brother, you are not forgiven. Do you need me to break it down into Latin? Okay. It's really simple. It's really simple. You are called, you are assumed to love, right? You are assumed to phileo your brothers and your sisters to have that brotherly affection. But you know what? I love this. Peter takes it to the next level. He says the assumption is that you have a sincere love of the brethren, right? But then you see how it says there's a comma right there. Then it says, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Okay, that's just like this little added thing that he throws in there. Okay, it is assumed that you phileo your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Do you know what the exhortation of Peter is? That ain't good enough. Remember Jesus on the shore? Sea of Galilee, some fish and all that. Peter, do you agape me more than these? Talking about his brothers? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's not talking about the fish. Right, I, I like fish as, next, as much as the next guy, but I'm pretty sure that's not what Jesus was talking about. Okay, do you agape me more than these, your fellow disciples? Peter's like, Lord, you know that I phileo you. You know that I'm your friend. I'm affectionate towards you, Lord. And then he continues on and he says, Peter, do you agape me? Peter says, Lord, you know that I phileo you. They keep walking. Peter, do you phileo me? And Peter was grieved at that saying, wasn't he? See, the Lord brought it down now. And Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. That's all that Peter could muster. So Peter is saying, "Right, guys, the assumption is that we phileo one another. You must phileo one another. You must be brotherly, you know, loving towards one another, sisterly loving towards one another, right? That's the assumption. But what Peter knows, see, what he learned through his own experience is like, guys, that's not enough. That's not what Jesus wants. You know, here's the assumption. The assumption is that you're nice to each other. Guys, be nice to each other. Don't get all catty and right no just like get that thought out of your head right now he says but hey listen that's the assumption that's the prerequisite that's the minimal that's the minimal entry fee right you must be kindly affectionate to each other that's it okay minimal entry fee but if you really want to bless god if you really really want to honor the one who died for you then he says agape one another fervently with a pure heart. How hard is that? you All of you who raised your hands first, right? all of you know that there's people in your life that it's really, really hard to even phileo them. But Peter is saying, listen, the very minimal prerequisite of heaven is that you phileo them. He says, but if you really want to show yourself even beyond just somebody who's doing the, the, the bare minimum to get by, he says, I want you to agape them fervently with a sincere, with a pure heart, right? It, it, it's not something that's like, oh, you know what? I, I'm going to, to their face, I'm going to be really nice, you know, just, just, you know, sweet as a daisy. I, I'm just going to be like a Southern belle to that, per, to that lady right there. Mm-hmm. Right. If you, for you ladies, right. I, I'm just going to be, oh, bless your little heart. Now, if any of you know, or from the South, that just means you're an idiot. Right, that's southern for you're an idiot. I, did, did you guys know that? Have you ever been called that before? Oh, bless you, little heart. Okay, that just means you're a fool. Okay, that, that's southern. Um, don't take it from me. Right? Don't say that to people if you're in the south, okay? <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just warning you right now, okay? See, you learn all sorts of stuff in a Bible study, right? So, guys, we, we need to do it in sincere love. Right? It needs to be from the heart. When we look at those people, when we look at our brothers and sisters in the Lord. It can't just be like this, like acting. It can't just be the things like, oh, I come to you and, hey, you know what? Whoa, hey, oh, yeah, I hate that person, right? I mean, because that's what we do, right? That, that's what we do, but that's not what we're called to do. We are called to have agape love for one another. What is agape? That's when you love somebody just because they are. Pastor, you need to finish that sentence. No, It's finished. Not because they are nice to you, not because they are generous, not because they are very friendly and fun to be around. You need to love them because they are, because they exist, because Jesus Christ poured out his blood for them, because God sent his own son to be bruised and chastised for them. And so because of that and that alone, you need to love them. It has nothing to do with who they are. It has nothing to do with what they do for you. It has nothing to do with how nice they are has everything to do with because god loves them does that make sense assumption number one assumption number two verse 23 having been born again not of corruptible seed but incorruptible through the word of god which lives and abides forever okay guys now this is important see do you see how it's pulling back to the reference of the word of god see there's the incorruptible seed and then there's the corruptible seed there's the Word of God, and then what What can the only thing, if it's not the Word of God, what other kind of word is there? Right? Incorruptible, corruptible. Word of God, Word of man. Word of man. Right, guys, w- when you got saved, when you gave your heart to the Lord, what was the gospel that you got saved by? Was it this gospel? You need to work really, really hard. You need to work all the days of your life and if you do enough good, then one day, if you're part of the 144,000, then you will get into heaven. Were you saved by that gospel? No. Okay, what about this gospel? Okay. Here's the thing. Just imagine, imagine this evangelism moment. There is a God and He is sovereign. And... He may have chosen you, but he may not have chosen you. And if he chose you, you know what? You got no choice. You're going to go to heaven no matter what. If he didn't chose you, you're going to hell. Have a nice day, right? So it's like, what do I do with that? Did you get saved by that gospel? No. What was the gospel? See, See, these are words of men. That's what they are. They're doctrines of men. They're ideas. their thought processes. that Their ends aren't really proven. They're just they're theories. They're ideas. But they're not really the word of God. And so so Peter, is, he's distinguishing between these things. He says, you have been born again. What is being born again? It's being born of the Spirit. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. What's the event that follows directly after that? The Holy Spirit of God. God himself enters into you. You're literally possessed by God. That's kind of an interesting thought, isn't it? Right, God comes into you. He becomes your conscience. He's the one who begins to guide you and direct you in the paths of righteousness. Right? He comes into you. Right? But it wasn't through the gospel of men. It wasn't through the gospel of weird theologies. It wasn't the gospel of those things at all. It wasn't Arminianism. It wasn't Calvinism. It wasn't uh, Jesus only doctrine. It was, sure wasn't prosperity doctrine. Right? You, you didn't come to the Lord through those things. See, those are corruptible seed. You came to faith through the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Right? It, it is so important that we understand what is this gospel that we have believed in. And, and guys, it, it's so important and I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again because I believe it passionately. What is what? Do you guys know what my theology is? Do you guys know what my theology is? Do you, do you know what I am? Uh, am I a premillennialist? Am I a, you know, what am I? It's pretty, that's pretty important to know what your pastor is, right? Like where, where I stand. Okay. Th- this is my theology in a nutshell. The Bible says, that's it. The Bible says ology, right? You can look it up. I'm sure to Google it. The Bible says ology. That's that's pretty much what I believe. Hey guys, listen. Because when you look at some of these doctrines, when you look at these these ideas of men, these other gospels that are like Jesus plus, or there's something else, there's little twists and turns within it. Guys, the only way you can come to those theologies is if you say, hey, you know what? I really like this passage right here. This is an amazing passage of scripture. But this other passage over here, it's Old Testament. It's really not that important anyway. And so I'm... I'm just going to ignore it. Or I'll discount it and say, oh, it was a scribal error. Or I'm going to say, that's not really what they, I know it sounds like that's what they meant, but that's not really what they meant. Okay, guys, what gospel did you believe? What gospel brought you to that place of salvation to becoming a born again Christian? You obeyed the word of truth. You said, Jesus is the son of God who died for my sins. And he rose three days later into glory and he has promised that where he is, he will come back for us and he will bring us to him. Right? That's it. The Bible says, right? The, the kids in our children's ministry can get that. Okay, guys, we need to look, we, we need to come back to the word of God. We need to come back because the, you know, there, there's a lot of doctrines of men out there right now. I, I mean, seriously, it, it, like I, I've got this, this theology um, set. And it's like, there is so much there. And, you know, as I've gone through it and really looked at it, it's like, you know, how much of this is actually scripturally based? And how much of it is just words of men? A lot of it's words of men. I got some great counsel from Gaylord Toehill at Calvary Costa Mesa. Uh, I was doing some counseling, um, the, 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 the prayer lines at Calvary Costa Mesa. And I was just sharing. And I was like, counseling people and all that kind of stuff. And, and he calls me into his office. And if any of you guys know Gaylord Toehill He doesn't call you into into his office unless you're in trouble. So I come into his office like, what? What's going on? Aren't I doing great? Right? And, And he comes and he says, you know, he goes, the whole purpose of the prayer lines is so that people can call, give us the prayer request, you can share a scripture with them, share the word of God with them, and then pray with them. Right? That, that's the whole ministry. That's the whole thing. Because and, and this was this was the really provocative thing that he said to me, and I and I've I've kept it with me ever since. He said, The more of yourself that you give, the more you talk that is beyond the scriptures, he goes, the more of yourself you you inject into it, and the less of God is there, and it begins to dilute the power of the word. And I went at first I was kind of offended, like, Well, I'm gonna do what I want to do. And, and then I sat down, I was like, and the Lord's like, No, you need to just be quiet. Go so say you're sorry to him. Oh, okay, Lord. In the end, guys, it's like there's a lot of words, a lot of words out right now. There's a lot of doctrines, there's a lot of theologies, but in the end, we need to come back to the scriptures. What does the Bible say, all right? What does the Bible say? And there's all sorts of different topics: once saved, always saved, you know, election, uh, grace, you know, whatever, salvation. There's a ton of them. But what does the Bible say about them? Because really, in the end, if you take any theology, any system of thought that has to negate, twist, ignore any other scripture in the whole of the Bible, then guess what? It's corruptible. It's not the incorruptible word of God because the totality of the scripture, the fullness of the book it is written of Jesus Christ, and not one jot, not one tittle will pass away. Right? It is all the inspired word of God, and therefore every verse, every line, is God-breathed. What's your theology? The Bible says ology, right That's it. So like if, if you want to impress your friends and they're like, "Oh, well, I'm of this and I'm of that." See, Paul addresses that in First Corinthians. Remember, I am of Peter, I am of Apollo's, I am of Christ." And, and, and Peter, or Paul says, "Is Christ divided?" No. We need to be people who are serving God in truth through his word, guided by his Holy Spirit, period. Amen. We are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abide forever. And here's just a little aside because why all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. What's the glory of man? In the context of what we're talking about right now. Because whatever they they quote in Old Testament scripture is for a reason, right? It's bringing context to what he's talking about. What's he talking about? The corruptible word of man, the incorruptible word of God. Man is like grass. And his glory, his words, his thoughts, his doctrines are like grass. Right? That's what he's talking about here. So these doctrines of men. Now, I always distrust any doctrine, any, any system of thought that is named after a man. And not just like taken from scripture. So that's just me. But he says, All the glory of man as the flower of the grass, the grass withers, that's his body, and the flower falls away. His word will fail. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Right? Right? Guys, we are born again by the word of God. Remember where you began. Remember where God met you. It was through his word, wasn't it? I mean, I don't know how you guys all got saved. For me, it was reading the Bible. I was trying to to disprove it. I was trying to destroy the Bible. And God met me in his word. It was his word that met me. It was his word that convicted me. It was his word now accompanied by the Holy Spirit that began to purify my soul, began to sanctify me and set me apart for the Lord and for his work. And guys, we got to remember that because when you think, oh, well, you know what? I really like this teacher. Have you heard about this man? Look at this commentary. It's a fantastic. What about this book? This is an amazing book. You got to get this book. You got to read this book. This guy, man, he's like, you know, he's just like Jesus right here. And this guy's like right here. I've heard, I've had a lot, especially in the younger crowds. I hear a lot of conversations like that, but you know what? In the end, man, he's going to wither his words, his doctrine, his glory, it will fall. But the word of God will endure forever. Assumption number two. Okay? We are people of the word. Right? We are people of the word. We are followers of Christ, not of men. That, that stick deep into each one of us. Now this is the word by which the gospel is preached to you. The word of God. Chapter two, verse one. Assumption number three. Therefore, laying aside all malice—that is, every evil thought, every—it's—it's—it's it's, it's like an—it's e- an evil thought, but it's also an evil character. It's the being of evil. So we have laying aside now. Now here's the thing too. See how it's a, a laying like you're. Th- this is in the aorist tense. And basically there's, there's some uh, debate back and forth about the aorist tense. Is it past tense or is it just, it's something that's perfected? Is it something, you know, it, it can be in the future, but it can still, like they, they go back and forth. So here's the thing. Basically what he's saying, it's either one of two things. God is saying, you have, here's the assumption that you have already laid down all your malice, all your deceit, your hypocrisy, your envy, and all evil speaking. Right? So it's either something that that you were supposed to do, or um, because of the tense and the voice and the mood of this verb of laying aside, it's a command to you right now as well. So listen, it's assumed as a Christian that you have laid aside all malice, all evil, all of your evil character, all of your deceit, right? Lying and such. All of your hypocrisy, that is, speaking to others, and in this context, this word hypocrisy, that's translated hypocrisy, it's a little different than the one that we talked about on Sunday morning, like a month ago. This one is more like when you say something flattering to somebody's face in order to deceive them, okay? So it, it, it's assumed that you have already done that. It's assumed that you have laid aside all envy. So when you look at somebody and they're blessed, you don't get angry at them anymore, Right? That's what this view means. And not only that, but then this evil speaking or slanderous speaking. Right? It is assumed that as a Christian, you have already laid those things in the aorist tense. It's already passed. But if, if, it, if that's not what that means, and like I said, the Greek scholars, they, they disagree on that. Then it says you know, it just means it's a completed action. That means he's commanding you right now. If you have any malice, if you have any deceit, any hypocrisy, any envy, any slanderous speech, that you lay it down now. Right? It's an assumption. It's a command. You take your pick. I'm good either way. Right? I'm good either way. Okay? It is an assumption that we who are in Christ, we who are dead to sin, that we should live no longer therein. Right? That's what Paul said in Romans. Right? We are not to live any longer in the fleshly life. And, and these are things of the fleshly life, right? Anybody here have like evil thoughts and evil things? You know, we, how, do we try to deceive other people? Remember I talked about the whole prayer thing? I want them to think I'm really spiritual by the way I pray. Don't do that. Don't do that. Right? Hypocrisy, flattering people. Oh, that was a great message, Pastor envy, slanderous speech. Guys, all these things are to be dead in us. All of these things need to be dead in us. And if they aren't, you need to lay them down now. It's time to let them go. Right? Assumption number, two, uh, number three. And then finally, the conclusion. So what are we to do? What are we to do with all of, all of these assumptions, these three great assumptions of the Christian faith by Peter the Apostle, friend of Christ, This is the whole of the matter, right? Here we go. As newborn babes. Remember Jesus, and Peter saw that. He he saw Jesus do this a couple of times. Bring a child in the midst. If you do not become as this child, he says you will by no means even enter into the kingdom of heaven, right? You need to repent. You need to convert and become like this child, right? I think Peter got it. I think he began to understand what Jesus was talking about. He says, As newborn babes, he says, Desire. Right? Have a craving for the pure milk of the word. What word? Not the corruptible word of man, right? Don't, uh, it's not, you don't need to be like going, Oh, what does Tozer say? Oh, what does Chan say? Oh, what does Spurgeon say? Oh, what does dot, dot, dot? No right that's not what he's asking you to do he says as pure babes as newborn babes have a craving for the pure milk of the word anybody here ever had a baby or watched a baby what do they do when they get hungry they throw a fit don't they they throw a royal fit, they scream, they cry, they yell, they make everything that they can do. They tighten their legs and whatever, you know, until you give them what they need, right? Anybody ever do that for a Bible study? <laughs> Honey, I don't, just imagine how this would go. Honey, I don't really feel like going to the Bible study. I'm tired. I had a long day where, ah! and you start screaming, at the top of your lungs, what do you think he's going to do? And don't stop screaming until he gets the keys and starts, okay, let's go, let's go. I'm, I'm okay, let's go. That, that would be a little bit different of a night, wouldn't it? But that's what we are called to do, right? That's the exhortation see all the see, see Peter's been talking about the word he 's been talking about these different effects, all these assumptions, but all of these assumptions are based on the Word of God, so he says, Hey, as newborn babes desire, crave, scream after the Word of God, not Francis Chan, not uh, Spurgeon not c s Lewis, not whatever it doesn 't those are all fine teachers, by the way, but it 's like you know what that 's not what you 're to crave. How much time do you spend reading?" those people and how much time do you spend reading the word of god what do you think are you desiring the word of god or are you desiring the word of man because one is the perfect for what you need to live a baby Do you know that a mother's milk has, it's a perfect food. It's like honey. It's a perfect food. It has absolutely everything that a baby needs to grow. It it, certain, literally certain times, like this happened to us once when, uh, I think it was with Trinity actually, as she, she didn't go to the bathroom at all. There was like nothing. It was like she was just drinking, 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 drinking. And we were starting to freak out. It's like, it's something wrong? Is something wrong? Is something wrong? And we went to the doctor and the doctor says, don't worry about it. You're breastfeeding, right? Yeah. Do you give her anything else? No. Don't even worry about it. Many times as the child is growing, the breast milk is a perfect food. The body can take all of it and use all of it and nothing has gone to waste. Wow. That's pretty cool. Word of man. That's when you start giving them baby food. What happens to a baby when you can start giving baby food? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not even going to mention it. You all know. Whew! Okay? Word of God? Word of man? <sighs> that's just the way it is. I'm sorry to have so frank of an illustration, but guys, that's the illustration that he's giving. One is incorruptible, one is corruptible. Guys, we need to desire the pure milk of the word right? That is what we need to desire. That is what we need to seek after. That is what we need to crave after. And you know what? If we've gotten spoiled, if we've gotten just like addicted to junk food, then you know what? It's time to go on a diet, right? Do you guys know how, like how you can become addicted to sugar? Like if you just eat sugar, eat sugar, eat sugar, then it's like you have a craving for sugar and all the other good stuff. You're just kind of like, Meh. but it's like, if you like ban sugar for a little while also it's like man that that those vegetables are starting to taste a lot better now it's like wow my palate's clear and it's not i don't taste all the sugar anymore so it's like wow that tastes really good actually if you have a junk diet corruptible word of man and you're addicted to it then i say you know what why don't you just set it aside set it aside for a little while and you come over here and you eat the pure milk of the word thereby that you might grow and see what God does. See if he doesn't build your appetite. Grow your appetite for the word of God in which you were saved. Right? That is what Peter is exhorting to us. That is what he is you know, inciting in us. That is what he is calling us to do. And he says, and, and he throws this little thing in there. Just, it's like the little knife in the belly. <laughs> or that, he says, if, that's a painful if. He says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. What do you mean by that, Peter? What do you mean if I've tasted? So, incorruptible word, corruptible word, desire the incorruptible word, if, if you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. Remember the three great assumptions of the Christian, right? If you're a Christian, if you have tasted and seen that the Lord is gracious, then you're going to desire his word. You're going to desire His thoughts. You're going to desire His ministering to your soul through His Holy Spirit. Not men. Not teachers. You're going to desire to be in the company of God. Okay. If you guys come, and I hope you don't just come and it's like, hey, you know, whatever Pastor Brian says, that's all good and and that's enough for me, man. That that's you know keeps me fed all week long. It's like, man, you guys are starving draw near to the lord seek him read his word ask him to understand it have, when you have those moments when the holy spirit is coming and he is he is counseling you and he's speaking to you and he's ministering to you and he has your full attention guys there's nothing more glorious than that right what you get here is just leftovers this is leftovers you desire the word you desire an audience with the king right let's pray Father, we just thank you so much for this, your word. Lord, we do pray that these assumptions of your Apostle Peter, Lord, that they would be a reality in our lives. Lord, and any place in our lives where these things are somehow lacking, they're not there, Lord. I pray that you would bring conviction, Lord, that you would bring mourning and sorrow, Lord, for godly sorrow leads to repentance, and repentance leads to peace and joy and favor. Lord, I pray that you would take these words. Lord, and the things that are of me, Lord, I pray the wood, hay, and stubble would be burned and that none, not one of them would be remembered, Lord, but the things that are of you and of your Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that they would sink deep into the hearts of your people. Indeed, me as well, Lord. Help us to live by them. Help us to walk by your truth, according to your Spirit, by the Word of God. Lord, we love you so much and we praise you. We open ourselves willing to you, Lord, and submit ourselves in obedience to the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a fantastic evening. You guys are welcome to hang out. And I think there's still some cake back there. And there's coffee as well. Uh, If you have any questions on the study or anything pertaining to the Bible, Christian faith, whatever, I'm here for you. God bless.